He's moving all around this room. If you've got needs in your life, I want to tell you, even when you're waiting, he's working. Even when you don't see things right away, God's still working. But we've got to, we've got to worship him in the middle. Hallelujah. Can you worship God in the in-between? Can you worship God between the prayer and the answer, between the mess and the miracle? Can you worship him? Hallelujah. I believe that God will give you strength to endure and to continue if we will worship him in the waiting. Come on, that's it. Let's magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout and give God praise. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. Jesus, wonderful name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. How many loves what they feel in the house of the Lord here on this Sunday afternoon? Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, the book of Matthew chapter 19 and beginning in verse number 16. I want to say, Matt, it's so good to have all of our guests and our visitors here today. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Amen. We're so thankful that you would come and worship with us. You know, God's still moving on a holiday weekend. Praise God. And I'm thankful for that. And uh, we want to encourage all of our guests and our visitors this Tuesday night, as is with every Tuesday night, we have prayer right here at the church. It's very informal. You can come. And, you know, we really need prayer in this culture and in this generation. And there's nothing better than gathering together with your church family. Just come in 7 o'clock on Tuesday. You can come in for five minutes. You can come in for an hour. You can come in for three hours. doesn't matter. Uh, we'll give you a key and make you lock up. Praise God. But you just come and seek God. Every great revival from the Bible to modern times has started with prayer. If you have a need in your life that you, you really need God to come through, I want to tell you, he answers prayer. Amen. And so that's Tuesday night at 7 p.m. And then Wednesday night we have our Bible study. We're continuing on going from Genesis to Revelations. We haven't made it that far because we're taking our time. So if you want to come and learn more about the Word of God, we want to encourage you to come this Wednesday night as with every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 16. Matthew 19 and verse 16. Really feel to preach this to us here today, and I pray that God would help me to articulate this as I have received it. Amen. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Mark and Luke also tells of this same story, one calling him a young man. And it, he said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? One of the writers put it this way, What good thing must I do that I might inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is None good but one, that is God. He was trying to see if this young man would recognize who he's really talking to. Why are you calling me good? Do you have a revelation that you haven't spoke about yet? 
about who I really am? Or do you have a different definition of good? He says, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, which of them? That's, that, that sounds like some of us, right? If you want to go to heaven, you got to keep the commandments. Well, which ones? just want to make sure I can check off the list and find out if I've got enough good things going for me. Come on, somebody. I've got enough good marks for me to get a passing grade. Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Check. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Probably hasn't even married yet. Check. Thou shalt not steal. He's got money. Check. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Check. Honor thy father and thy mother. Check. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus didn't even get done with all the Ten Commandments. And the young man cuts him off. I don't know if it was because Jesus was about to start talking about thou shalt not covet. I don't know. He was getting ready to talk about some other things, but he cut him off because that's as far as he got on the list. I don't know. Maybe he had them all. The young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. That's a dangerous question. You can ask God if you want. But you are going to get an answer. What do I lack? I've done all of this, but what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, you ever heard Jesus speak to you either through his word or through a preaching or when you're praying and he tells you something you don't want to hear? Yeah, I felt that one in my soul. I've heard a lot of sayings of Jesus and I like them. But there's times where I've heard Jesus say some things or the preacher say some things or I've been praying and God's been speaking to me through his spirit about some things and I was good with everything he said except for that saying. And he went away sorrowful for he had great possession. I want you to notice something. He said, what good, he said good master, what good thing shall I do that I might inherit eternal life, which is a good thing. And I want to preach to us for a few moments with the help of the Holy Ghost on this subject. Better than good. Better than good. Amen. Would you set down your Bibles? Would you lift up your hands? And let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah. Jesus is giving an opportunity. Amen. If you will be better than good, if you will be perfect. You can have all of these things. I want to tell you, God's going to help us here today. He's got a word for us. There is something better than good. Hallelujah. Would you lift up your voice and let's pray all across this building right where you are. God, I want better than good. I want better than good. I want better than my idea of good. I want what you have for me, not what I have for me. Oh, come on. That's it. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody press in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I want better than good. Amen. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him the same thing. And just say it with, with enthusiasm. I want better than good. Amen. God bless you. you. may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Better than good. Amen. Praise God. Better than good. 
This young man came to Jesus, as many people have come to Jesus, and he came with a question in his mind. He had a question in his heart. What good thing must I do? What activity must I involve myself in that's good? What action must I take that's good? Must I do that I might inherit something real good? Amen. Is there anything left on the list, anything that I've got left to do, which shows us something about the attitude and the, the mindset of this young man? He had already spent his whole life following a merit system called the law. That if he got enough plus marks and if he got enough happy stickers and gold stars, that he would, in fact, win in this merit system. Amen. And he comes to Jesus with this question. What good thing must I do, good master, that I might inherit this good thing called heaven. And in fact, he is the only one in the entire scriptures that actively asked Jesus about heaven. Everybody else that heard about heaven, they heard it because Jesus would navigate the conversation about heaven. The woman at the, at the well who has had, had five husbands and is currently with a man that's not her husband. She is there, and she's, she's looking for water, and Jesus turns the conversation to living water, eternal life. You find other people in the scriptures that have come to Jesus like Nicodemus at night who is looking and asking him, who are you? What did you come to do? He wasn't really seeking eternal life. And Jesus said to him, except a man is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. He turns the conversation. But this young man had lived such a life that his mindset was focused on what good thing must I do that I might inherit this good thing called heaven. There were so many other people that came to Jesus to find out more about his intentions. Who are you? What have you come to do? Why aren't you just enjo- why aren't you joining up with all the other religious people? There's others that came to trick Jesus, to try him at the law. Is it lawful that we pay tribute unto Caesar? Is it okay if we pay taxes or can we evade taxes? And there were other people that showed up that said, "I just want a miracle. I just want a healing in my body. They were all focused on the religious. They were all focused on the temporary. They were all focused on the here and now. But when you find this young man, he's focused on the eternal. He's focused not on today, but he's focused on the day that comes after today. He's focused not just on the here and now, but he's focused on what is coming in the life hereafter. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to preach about this young man for a little while, but I want to tell you there is nothing more important uh, that you can ever figure out than what you, where you are headed uh, when this life is over. Can I preach it for a little while? You can have a nice car, a nice house. You can have broke down everything, be wrong in your life. Uh, You can have everything falling apart. But there is nothing more important uh, than where you will spend eternity. Uh, There is. 
There is no greater question you can ask uh, than what does it take for me to be saved? Uh, what does it take for me to go to heaven? Uh, what does it take for me to live with Jesus for all of eternity? Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he asked the question that nobody else asked, what must I do that I might inherit eternal life? Amen. He was looking for good. He had spent his whole life in this merit system. In fact, he even said, I've kept all these from my youth and upwards, which means his whole life he's been spending trying to be a good boy, trying to be good. He honored his father and mother. He was a good son. Amen. He didn't, he didn't break laws. He didn't lie, cheat, or steal. He was a good citizen. Hallelujah. He was good by everybody else's definition of what good is. He was looking for good. You know, the word good is used so many times in the Bible. It's used over 700 different times. This is not including goodness. This is not talking about goodliness. None of those things. Amen. Goodly. These are other words that would show up, but over 700 times the word good shows up in the Bible. Anybody know who the first one to define what good was? God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was God was the one at the very beginning. Uh, he could have called darkness good. He could have called what was before he showed up good. Uh, but when God looked at all of the beginning of creation, uh, he said, the light that I bring uh, is good. Can I preach to somebody for a moment? Uh, what you have before God is not good. Uh, what you get after God is good. Brother, it doesn't matter how many parties you went to that you could define as good. Those parties are nothing compared to the illumination God will bring in the revelation God will bring. If you know you serve a good God, give him a good praise. Can I preach to you? Uh, nobody can define what good is but God. Nobody knows what good is but God. Man, God's the one that defined out what good is. In the beginning, God said, this is good. And then he divides things, light and dark. He says, the division that I made here is good. I want to tell you, when God starts separating you, it's a good thing. Hallelujah. When he calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light, it's a good thing. When he, put, when he calls you out of the club, it's a good thing. When he calls you out of addiction, it's a good thing. When God calls you out of sin, it's a good thing. You might feel at the beginning like you're losing something, but you're not losing nothing. You're being illuminated. Uh, light is shining in your darkness, uh, and the darkness doesn't comprehend it, and the darkness doesn't like it. But there's nothing better than coming out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's nothing better than coming out of sin into salvation. There's nothing better than being lost and then being found. There's nothing better than being blind, but then being able to see. There's, if you've ever experienced that, why don't you give him praise? Praise God. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. He was looking for good. This good guy who, who started doing something that we've all done. He was redefining good. According to the law, 
and according to all of his friends and his family, according to the Roman soldiers and everybody in his current society, he was a good guy. In fact, this is somebody you want as a friend. He's a, he not just a ruler, he's a rich young ruler, praise God. Hey, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, he that has money has many friends. Amen. You got to be careful of those kind of friends. They only like you when you got money. But when you're broke, they leave you. Amen. That's another story for another time. Uh, amen. But, you know, he's got money. He's a good guy. I've heard people that look at people that got something and say he must be a good person. Because we've redefined good. We redefine good as materialism. We redefine good as, as, as who has gone up in the society. We redefine good as fame. You got a TikTok dancer saying, oh, that must be a good person. No, they just, they just got a nice camera. They're not necessarily a good person. They got a lot of followers. They must be a good person. No, 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 no. You got it all wrong. You got the wrong definition of good. Oh, you see somebody with money or with fame and you think they must have a good life. Then explain to me why Hollywood stars are getting divorced faster than they're getting married. Uh, explain to me why, why real, while, while real famous and wealthy people are killing themselves by the droves. Uh, amen. If their life is so good, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, we've defined good by what we see on social media. We've defined good by what we see in our society. Uh, we define good by what we don't have. We define good by what we wish we had. We define good by everybody else's terms except God's. Amen. And we would say that's a good person. And then we align ourselves saying, I want to be as good as them. You don't want to be as good as the NFL star. Because the truth be told, they're not good. They're good at football. That's all they're good at. Amen. You don't want to be as good as the actor or the actress because they're good at acting, but they're not good at keeping their marriage together. I'm not trying to be rude or mean. Uh, you don't want to be as good as somebody that's rising up in faith. You don't want to be as good as the politician that knows how to legislate and make laws uh, and yet can't keep their family together. Uh, you don't want that kind of good. You want better than good. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. According to law, he was a good guy. He came to Jesus with good intentions. You know, many of us would say good intentions are all that matter. I want to tell you, good intentions are not enough. Amen. I can intend to do good to you, but if I don't do it, that means I've done nothing. Amen. That's what James talked about. When you wish somebody well, but you, do, you don't actually give them what they need, you're not actually doing good. You're just well wishing. Amen. This is where, this is where Facebook thoughts and prayers comes in. You, ain't gonna, you, you know, people that say that, they got to pray over lying because oh, I'll pray for you. No, you haven't. Amen. You haven't even prayed for yourself this week. you got to hit your knees and actually pray. Thoughts and prayers with Ukraine, and you had not thought about Ukraine in the last six months. <laughs> you know what it is? We want a virtue signal and say we're good. We want everybody else to tell us we're good. We want a thumbs up. We want a like because we want people to tell us we're good. Our intentions are good, so we must be good. I want to tell you, I know a lot of people that have good intentions, but they don't have good actions. Good intent. I've come to preach to somebody. Good intentions, but not a good pattern. Good intentions, but they don't have a good follow-through. Brothers and sisters, you got to have good intentions, but you have to have good actions as well. Yeah. You got to have good intentions, but you have to have good follow-through as well. Amen. It's good to think about coming to church, but you got to get up and come to church like you did this afternoon. It's good. It's good to think about praising the Lord, but somewhere along the lines, uh, your intentions have got to move to your actions, and you got to start 
doing a dance, clapping your hand, lifting your voice, running the aisles. Somewhere you got to go better than good. He had good intentions. He even desired good things. You know, nobody in this room desires bad things on the outset. See, sometimes we don't know what we really want until we get it. And we realize that's not really what I wanted. See, you wanted a wife, but you settled for a girlfriend. Well, praise God. And you thought you wanted something, but you didn't. Re- I thought you thought you wanted good things until you got it. And you realized it wasn't really good. Well, praise God. He desired what he would call good things. He even asked good questions. I thank God for people that ask good questions. I mean, I want to tell you, good questions typically mean you're going to grow. It's the people that act like they know it all, got it all. Amen. But I will say that in the middle of asking good questions, he wasn't really asking for an answer. He was asking for a gold star. Well, well, don't, don't lie, cheat, steal, don't commit adultery, don't commit murder. He's thinking, I haven't killed anybody this week, so I must be all right. And he's just looking. He's already memorized all the answers to the test. And he's waiting for Jesus to come by and say, you've made it. You know, there's so many people that, in fact, you might have come to church today to get a pat on the head from the pastor from Jesus. Did I make it? Did I arrive? I want to tell you, you're settling for your definition of good. He asked good questions, and he even gave good answers. I've kept all these from my youth and up. I've kept up with all my goodness. I've never failed at being good. I've always been good. You know, I, I just love people like that. because they. And this is why the Bible says Jesus loved him. His, in, his intentions were good. He was trying. He was striving. You know, it's better to try and fail than it is to be the person that never tries at all. Well, there's no hope in me ever being anything or being good, so I might as well go out and be a dirtbag. No, that, that's, that's terrible. That's a terrible way. Of, well, there's no way of ever making life, so I might as well give up and quit now. That's a terrible way of living. Brothers and sisters, uh, amen, you ought to let God help you to get up and try. Rejoice not against me, O oh my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. You got to get back to trying. You got to get back to trying. But he's got all these good. You know, in life we talk about good. We talk about good cooks, good athletes, good accountants, good bank robbers. Oh, no, they were nice to me. That's called Stockholm Syndrome. Amen. With a wide range of meanings for the word good. Can I just share with everybody? This is, I got the mic right now. I'm going to share a pet peeve of mine. It might be a pet peeve of yours, so we might become friends right now. I don't really like when people overuse the word good or overuse words in general. You know, it takes what God has defined as good as incredibly, amazingly good. Now i got to use adjectives to make good as good as it was supposed to be. And it's just made it plainly and commonly, it's good. Which now becomes mediocre. It's like when, it's like when people say they love everything. I'm going to get somebody right now. She's wearing white right now. I love fall. I love pumpkins. They love their cat. Hey, man, I love my cat too. And then they say, I love my spouse. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I hope that you love your spouse more than you love fall or pumpkins. I, I don't know. how. I love God. 
And we put everything in the same category, which, again, this is the danger of our English language is that, and the danger of a lack of education is we've dumbed the language down to now the words that used to mean incredible. This is why the Bible in Old English calls God terrible. Hear me out. We would go, oh, no, that's bad. No, that means he's so powerful, he's frightening. And we dumb the language down to say God must be bad. That's not what it's saying. Uh, amen. And when the Bible says God is good, we start thinking God's as good as this cold weather. I don't like when I share a meal or an experience with somebody and I go, how was it? How'd you like it? It was good. The response of it's good and nothing else is frustrating to me because it does not tell me anything in our modern culture. It doesn't tell me anything about your experience because your definition of good is different than my definition of good. Your definition of good is relative to your experiences and your preferences. It's undefined. Amen. But if we could all come together today and really define out what good is. Amen. I want to tell you, good is not our definition of good. There's something better than our definition of good. I'm coming for somebody. Our definition of good, amen, is just it's all right. It's mediocre. Amen. But when the word of God defines good, it's often used to denote and to describe excellence, uh, more specifically moral excellence. Uh, in its strictest use, uh, it is only applied to God himself. Uh, this is why the Bible says there's none that doeth good. No, not one. We've all gone astray. We've all gone our own way. Amen. And the Lord laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all because there was only one that was good, and his name is Jesus. There's only one that was morally superior, only one that was excellent, and his name was Jesus. When this young man showed up, he showed up like we all do with our own definition of good. Amen. This is the danger of moral relativity. If you go around and you ask people the same question this young man asked, what must I do that I might, what good thing must I do that I might inherit eternal life? He's already off theologically. You know what that says? My salvation is up to me. Amen. And there's nothing you and I can do that we might obtain our own salvation. Our salvation comes through Christ and Christ alone. Let me tell you, you can't do enough to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Because salvation is the Lord. Salvation is the Lord's. It's not ours. If you asked this question and walked around our city and you asked them, are you going to heaven or hell? Just being very blunt. Are you saved? Are you on your way to heaven? Uh, you know what they would say? Well, yes. Well, why? Because I'm a good person. Anybody see a problem with that? Because I, I do. I see a problem with that, bro. I see a big problem with that. You go to the prisons. Listen, I'm not putting one group above another. Just being honest, we... Lord willing, God will help us start a prison ministry. Praise God. Amen. In fact, I'm communicating with somebody that's in prison right now. Hallelujah. But you watch it. You go down cell block A. Amen. Where to keep the, a certain group, a certain, uh, you know, this one's the, the low violence group. 
This is just there for petty theft, but they've been doing enough times. they got enough strikes against them. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all have been in cell block A. Praise God. Amen. And you ask them, are you a good person? And you know what they'll say? Yes, I am. Can you tell me why you're a good person? Well, have you met the people in cell block B? I'm a good person because the people in cell block B, they're the murderers. They're the rapists. And you go to cell block B and you go knock on cell block B number one and you talk to the murderer and he say, whoa, 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 I'm a good person. I'm not a rapist. That's the, that's the guy next to me. Because I'm good. He's bad. And we define goodness not by God's excellence and God's morality and God's holiness and God's goodness, but we define goodness by everybody else's badness. I'm coming for some religious folk in the house. I'm a good Christian. I'm a good saint. Why? Because you didn't cuss this week. Because you didn't lie, cheat, or steal this week. Because of what you did not do. I've come to help you here today. Amen. you got to stop judging your goodness based on everybody else's bad. Sir, I came to preach up in here. Somebody ought to shout and give God some praise. I'm not good based on me. I'm good based on him. I'm not good based on me because my goodness is not enough. Your goodness is not enough. Your grandma's goodness is not enough. Your bank account is not good enough. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God some praise. There's something better than good. There's something better than good. There's something better than my definition of good. We've got to be careful because we'll be like the rich young ruler who will say, well, I'm good. And you know what he does? The very thing the Pharisees did. They walked by everybody else. In fact, they had a problem with Jesus because the Bible says this was the biggest thing they had against him. You ready for this? And, and what a great compliment. They, they, this is the best insult that the Pharisees could come up with. He eats with publicans and sinners. A woman who has had devils and they've been cast out of her who is a prostitute is washing his feet and they thought within themselves see they were so religious they wouldn't say it because I'm a good person if you don't have anything nice to say or good to say don't say anything at all so I'm going to do what grandma taught me to be good and they held it up in their brain if this man only knew what manner of woman this was that touched him he would have kicked her in the face they had the wrong definition of good tell you what goodness is. Goodness comes to you and I at our lowest place. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Romans 2 and 4 says this. Do you not know that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? Brother, he doesn't have a lightning bolt. He doesn't have a gavel in his hand. He's going to be good to you, and he's going to show you mercy, and he's going to show you love. And when you feel his goodness, it ought to turn something in your heart upside down that says, I got to stop living like this. I got to stop acting like this. He's been too good to me. He's been better to good. When you understand, we've got to be careful because we will define, I've got to get through this. We've got to reject, uh, reject the desire or the, the, the temptation to define or to redefine good as good enough. There's nothing wrong with wanting heaven, rich young ruler. 
That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting good things in your life. That's a good thing. Jesus was saying, the problem is you've defined goodness by arbitrary and social standards. You have got moral relativity working in your life. The problem with desiring goodness, the way this young man was desiring goodness, is he was desiring goodness, not God. He was desiring his version of goodness instead of God's desired version of goodness. Amen. He comes to Jesus with the presupposition that he understands what good is because after all, it's me. And if people aren't as good as me, they're not good. That's why when you're driving in your car, everybody that speeds past you is a maniac and everybody going too slow is an idiot. Because you become the arbiter of what good is and what crazy is and what right is and what wrong is. I'm coming to preach to all of this area because we got a whole city and a whole region that thinks they're so good they don't even need God. That thinks they're so good they don't even need to come to church. They think they're... Because they've settled for their definition of good. And everybody that goes to church is just a religious nut. And everybody that doesn't do the good things I do, uh, they're not as good as me. Uh, They've got the view of high and low all wrong. Amen. Amen. He came with the presupposition. And he also came with trying trying to get eternal life by his definition of good. And he was just finding eternal life as another thing to check off his list. Eternal life was just one more thing on the list. I mean, think about it. This guy got all the way through his regular life. He got through his business. He got through his transactions in his business. He got through his relationships with people. And he gets all the way to Jesus. He says, I got one more thing on my list. Uh, Hurry up and tell me what I got to do to get eternal life. I just want to lock this down. I got things to do, Jesus. I'm not interested in following you. I just want to go to heaven. Well, I I didn't come to preach this, but I might as well. There's a lot of people in our world, they want to go to heaven, but they don't want Jesus. You got the wrong definition of heaven, honey. Well, I don't like church. They're too loud. The Bible says that we will worship so loudly in heaven, it'll be the sound of many waters. If you don't like it down here, you sure don't want to go up there. I don't know about church. That preacher preaches too long, and he's a little too excited. Brothers and sisters, you don't want to go to heaven. Wherefore, in eternity, we're praising and worshiping God, and we're hearing the voice of the Lamb of God. If you think this is tiresome, you don't want to go where Jesus is. Because, brothers and sisters, it gets a lot more intense in heaven. It's a lot more. I'll just say this. This is for free. You can Venmo me later. People say, well, I want to go to heaven. But I don't want to pray for 15 minutes. Why would you want to spend an eternity with a God you don't want to spend 15 minutes with? Man, church is far. Why would you want to go to heaven with a God you didn't want to drive 30 minutes for? You might as well go to Casino Fandango, brother. If you're going to, well, praise God. I'll be the only preacher that gave that, that thumbs up. I'm, just, I'm not saying you'll be saved. I'm not saying you'll be all right with God. I'm just saying, amen, if, well, it's just too far. It's too hard. You know, last time I checked, amen, heaven and earth are going to be passed away, and he's going to bring down a new heaven and a new earth, and it's much bigger and greater than this earth, and it's a lot further than it took you to get here to church today. 
Well, that's for free. Praise God. We limit God and his, and his work in our life if we settle on our definition of goodness. The issue is that he did not set his sights high enough. So many of us are looking for good things, but we're not looking for God. And let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with good things. Who doesn't want a good marriage? Who doesn't want good kids? Who doesn't want a good job? Who doesn't want to make good money? Who doesn't want a good house? Who doesn't want to live in a good neighborhood? Anybody here want to live in the barrio? You know what I'm saying? Anybody else want to live in the ghetto? Anybody? No, okay. You want to live in a good place. You want to live. But, but the challenge is, is when he showed up, he was actually looking for a pat on the back because he thought he was already good enough, which shows us his definition of good master meant good enough master. And his definition of good thing was what good enough thing. The consequences of incorrectly defining good is it leads to deception. We start thinking, I'm good enough. And it leads to justification when we do something wrong. I've come to help somebody. You are moral and good in this area, so it allows you to be a jerk over in this area. I went to church this week so I can yell at my wife. No, 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 you got it all wrong, brother. You got it all wrong. You're reading the wrong Bible. That's not the... You got the wrong Jesus. You got the wrong Holy Ghost. Well, I spoke in tongues on Sunday so I can cuss on Monday. No, you got the wrong Holy Ghost. You got the wrong, you got the wrong Jesus. Can I preach to somebody? I've come to preach. This is the Bible. This is where it really comes down to it. Do you want good? You're good. Or do you want something better than good? His name is Jesus. Do you want good or do you want God? Do you want good or do you want God? There is a danger of redefining God's definition of good into our definition called good enough. Can I just tell you there's a danger of good enough? Amen. We start justifying our actions because after all, I'm good enough. We start, we start skipping out on things that matter because after all, I'm good enough. This is exactly what happened to Eve. The devil had tricked her into redefining God's goodness. God said if you eat that fruit, you're going to die. It's bad. It's not good. And the devil started saying, God doesn't want you to have this good thing. He's withholding good things from you. God's not good. And through deception, all of a sudden, the Bible says Eve saw that the tree was good for food. What God says is poisonous, rat poison, going to kill you. All of a sudden, she said, ooh, that looks scrumptious. And we laugh at Eve, but we've done it too many times uh, where all of a sudden God has said no and God has put a prohibition and God has said don't, but we don't like the word no. Uh, and we say all of a sudden we start justifying it. Well, I've been good in all these other areas, uh, so after all, I deserve it. Hey, if you don't believe me, just look at people's diets. I've been so good, I deserve a good cheat month. Come on. And you see people do that in their own spiritual lives. I've been so good this week. I read my Bible this week, and I prayed this week, and I went to church this week. Some of y'all came to church today so you can justify the bad you want to do this week. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being very honest because I've done the same thing myself. Well, I was religious this week, so therefore uh, this business deal that's about to go down that I know is immoral and I know is wrong, God will take care of it and God will forgive it. And so we go and we do all these different things. And Eve redefined what God said is not good as being good. And the Bible says, woe unto a nation and to a generation that calls evil good and good evil. You've got to be careful of our modern society that is now uplifting people that are evil and uplifting ideas that are evil. And 
and uplifting things that are contrary to the word of God. Don't let them tell you if you're born a boy, you're a boy and it's good. If you were born a girl, that's good. Be a girl. It's good. Don't let them make you, don't let them tell you it's not good the way God made you. Your body's not good enough. I've come to dispel the lie of hell. What God said is good is still good. And what God said is evil is still evil. What's destructive about sin and what the enemy does is it warps the mind and it starts making us see what is really freedom as bondage. Amen. He will, God will deliver you of drugs and alcohol and the devil will come by and say, man, you're at church again. You're missing out on a party. But you forgot about the fact that last time you got blackout drunk, you got in a car and you about killed yourself and you're thankful to God that you're even alive today. But the devil won't remind you about that. He won't remind you about the bad things. He won't remind the, the, the Israelites about the whip and the beatings of Pharaoh. He'll only remind them of the leeks and the garlic and the fragrances of Egypt and all the things that he defined as good. But brothers and sisters, what good is leeks and garlic if you're in bondage? What good is a party if you're addicted? What good is... What good are friends if those friends are as bound up as you are? What good is life if at the end of life you die and you go to hell? What good? This is what happened when God told humanity to go to the earth and subdue it, go everywhere. And they settled in the plain of Shinar because they said, this is good enough. Let's build a tower and let's hang out here. You got to be careful not to hang out in good enough. Don't build a tower and good enough. I'm coming. I'm coming to a close here in a little bit. Amen. We talked about it in Bible study a little bit on Wednesday night. But Abram looked up towards God when God said, I'm going to give you another son. Uh, amen. It's going to be a son of promise. It's going to be a miracle child. And he said, oh, that Ishmael might be good enough. Hallelujah. Oh, that Ishmael might be good enough. Oh, that my bad decisions might be good enough. Uh, if we're not careful, uh, amen, if you really look at the story, uh, she said the Lord stopped my womb from opening, and so it's God's fault. Uh, and they went through some bad times, uh, and those bad times started redefining what they saw as good. Uh, and if we're not careful, we will start letting our disappointments uh, redefine what is good. Don't let the loss redefine what is good. Don't let the divorce you didn't want redefine what is good. Don't let the unemployment redefine what you thought was good. If we are honest and we are real, amen, this is what happens to us all the time. We allow situations in our life to change our perception of God's goodness. We've got to be careful that we don't allow trials and circumstances to change our view of the goodness of God. He's better than good. And when I say better than good, I meant better than what I call good and better than what you define as good. Can I put it this way? He's better than good enough. Amen. His goodness does not shift or change based on circumstances. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Can I preach it to you? God is good. And all the time you got to remind yourself in the morning, God is good. And all the time, God is good. And all the time, I want to preach to somebody, whether you are sick in your body, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. 
when you lose your job, when somebody dies unexpectedly, God is still He's been better to me than I've been to myself. He's been better than my definition of good. Would you clap your hands and stand to your feet as the musicians come? Somebody give a good God a biblical good praise. A good praise, a good praise, a good praise, a light separated from darkness praise, a healed my body, he saved my soul praise. Somebody ought to shout and give the Lord some praise. This is why the Bible constantly reminds us this. God is not like us. The Bible says he is the Lord and he changes not. God has never changed his mind in this. He said, I'm good. And he's never changed from being good. This also helps you here today. If God's ever healed you once, he didn't change. He didn't run out of healings. He didn't run out of blessings. If he's ever blessed you, he's not run out. He's not in the red on his bank account. Well, praise God. You might be, but God's not. You might be sick, but God's not. You might be broke, but God's not. You might be in trouble, but God's not. And he's never changed. He has not changed his character. His, he is love. He is holy. And he is good. Can I preach that to somebody? God is good. I'm going to preach until it gets in your bones. God is good. Not how you define good. I would define good as God always does what I want. That's not God's goodness. Because God looks over the whole of life and says, if I gave that to you right now, it would not be good. And I'm so good that I won't give you good enough. And I'm so good, I won't let you settle on good enough. And I'm so, he's so good, he'll break up that relationship before it gets too serious because he knows that's not good enough. And I got something that's better than good. Even when injustice has come our way, we can trust in his goodness to right all of our wrongs. When we're sick even to death, we can trust that he will withhold no good thing from us. Amen. I won't allow the injustices of life and the things I don't understand to change and alter through my disappointments the view of God's goodness because we know a God that balances the scales. Can I preach to somebody what the Bible says? And we know all things work together for good. Not your good. Not your idea of good. But God's definition of good. And you know what? We get so discouraged. I just don't know how this is going to work out. I got good news for you. If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. If it's not good yet... God's not done yet. Joseph, don't give up in the pit. 
Joseph don't give up in Potiphar's house. Joseph don't give up in the prison. Joseph don't give up in the palace. Joseph don't give up in the seven years of plenty. Joseph don't give up in the seven years of famine. Because he's better than good. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't, I don't just want a good marriage. A good enough marriage. I want a godly marriage. I don't just want a marriage that's absent of conflict or infidelity. You know, that's the kind of people that get married and they say, okay, the preacher says, you know, to have and hold sickness and health. And they, and they go, well, okay, what's the fine line where you'll divorce me? I just want to know. I just want to know. That's how some people live for God. As long as I can find out where the line is. No, 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 no. I don't want just that bare minimum relationship with God. And I don't want just that good enough marriage and that good enough religion. Uh, amen. I, I want a marriage that's not just absent of infidelity, but it's full of intimacy as well. It's full of godly order. It's full of life. I'm trying to use natural things to get through this message to us here today. You can think to yourself, well, my marriage isn't falling apart every week like it used to. That's good enough. No, 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 no. You got it all wrong. God wants his goodness to be revealed through your marriage. I don't want to just settle for for morality. I want to go on unto holiness. I don't want just obedient children that are good students and citizens uh, that, I, that, that I would say these kids are good enough. I want kids that are walking in godly identity, purpose, and anointing. I'm done right here. The gospel means the good news. This ain't Fox or CNN. That's all trash. It don't matter what news you like. It's trash. Because they're just deceiving you anyways. Praise God. You're either uninformed or you're misinformed. You just got to figure out what you want to be. This is not more information that may or may not change anything in your daily life. I don't want to just come here today and preach a pretty sermon to you. I want to declare the gospel. The good news. Can I tell somebody? That God, here's the good news. You and I are sinners. You and I have been lost. You and I have been undone. But I've got good news for you today. He's so good, it undoes all your bad. He's so good that he rights all your wrongs. He's so good that he saves that which is lost. He's so good that he heals that which is sick. He's so good, he takes a broken heart and he puts it back together. Let's lift up our hands all across this building. I want to tell somebody, as you pray, he's been good to you whether you've seen it or not. Don't let what you've been through redefine goodness. And don't let your own self redefine goodness. I want to tell you, you've got a God in this building that is better than good. You've got a God in this place that is better than good. And he wants to take your life from good enough to being better than good. This rich young ruler said, what good thing must I do? 
Jesus said, you got it all wrong. This isn't about you. In fact, he said this. I love how he words it in Matthew. He says, if you want to be perfect, everybody knows perfect's better than good. Hey, you want to be good? You be good, but there's something better than good. You and I, you'd say, well, there's nobody perfect. Well, you're missing Jesus. So you got one mark against you. But they sang about it earlier. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He didn't just take your sins. He became your sins. That's your Bible. Read it. Go look it up later and talk to me after. You can talk to me after. That's in your Bible. Why did he do that? That we through him might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I got a question for you. Let's talk about goodness and righteousness. How good is God? He's the definition of good. How righteous is God? He is the definition of righteousness and holiness. And through Jesus, you can become better than good. That we, through him, might become the righteousness. How righteous is he? He's holy. He's righteous. He's infinite. He's indescribable. He's incomparable. How, how good is God? He's so good. He spanned the world. He threw the stars in the sky. How good can you be? I'll tell you what. In Jesus, you can be better. So here's the deal. How do you do that? I've been saying this over and over again. Number one, repentance. Everybody say repentance. Pastor, why do you say this every service recently? Because i got to get it through to somebody. You don't get better than good by just staying good enough. you got to repent. The Bible says all our righteousness, all the things we think we're good at, are but filthy rags. You go study that out later, how disgusting that verse actually is. Hey, praise God. Anybody who knows, you know. Yeah, filthy rags. That's as good as our goodness is. That's as good as our goodness is. That's why we need to repent. That means we take our, what we even consider our goodness and our badness. We take it all to Jesus. And we lay it down at the foot of the cross. And we say, God, forgive me of thinking that that was good enough. And we say, God, I'm going to turn from sin. That means you hit the, you, you miss the mark by going too low. You miss the mark by going too high. You are too much of a sinner, and you are too self-righteous. They're both wrong. Amen. They're just two sides of the same coin. They're both sin. And you turn from that and say, God, forgive me. And then the Bible says you are baptized by full immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the washing away of all your sins. Uh, brother, what happens when you repent? Uh, I tell you what, you die to your sins, uh, but you still got a stain on your garment, uh, and it's still not good enough. Uh, and Jesus told a parable of a man that showed up to the wedding feast, uh, and he said uh, he, had, he was provided a wedding garment, but he didn't want to put it on. Uh, and when, he, when the king showed up, he said, didn't we give you a garment uh, that was clean? Uh, and he said, what I've got on is good enough. And the Bible says, bind him hand and foot and cast him out. Because your garment is not good enough, but it can be. you got to be baptized, which washes away all of the sins. And then you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, 
which the Bible says every time somebody received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in another language they didn't know. It's not something you make up. It's not gibberish. It's as the Spirit gives the ability. And as you begin to pray, God not only washes your vessel and cleans your vessel, but he empowers you that when you walk, you're not walking in your goodness. You're walking better than good. You're living better than good. You're married better than good. You're raising your kids better than good. You're going to church better than good. Why? Because I'm filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Would you come down to the front, lift up your hands? Come on, we can go better than good here today. You can have better than good. Would you come down to the front if you're visiting with us here today? This is a great opportunity for you to lift up your hands and to begin to say, God, would you wash me of all the things I thought were good enough? Would you deliver me of all the things I thought were good enough? Because I, I don't just want to do good enough, and I don't want to just be good enough. I want better than good. I want God's definition of goodness. I want the blood of Jesus to cover me and make me better than good. I want the righteousness of God just so fill me uh, that when God looks down from heaven, uh, he doesn't see my sin. Uh, he doesn't see you, my stains. Uh, he sees the goodness of God. For your mercy never fails. Come on. Jesus is better than good. Oh, Jesus days. is better than good. You can have Jesus today. You can have Jesus today. If you get God, you get good. But you can have good enough and never have God. But if you get God, you get good. You get righteous. You get clean. You get blessed. You get whole. Get Jesus today. Oh, my life, you have been faithful. Oh, my life, you so, so good. Come on, that's it. Right now. With every you can just let God fill you with the Holy Ghost. Lift up your hands. God wants to fill you with His Spirit. I will sing the goodness of God. Come on, I want better than good enough. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest nights, you are close like no other. I know you as a father. I know you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Oh, my life, you have been Of the good. 
Jesus is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness, your Come on. goodness is running after. The goodness of God after. is in this building. It's running it's after me. It's better than your goodness. Me. Give an exchange. You can your have my goodness. goodness is you can running have my goodness. After. I want it's your goodness. After me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Oh, my life. Oh, my
Come on, lift up your hands all across this building. The goodness of the Lord is in this place. The goodness of the Lord is in this place. If you want better than good, you got to exchange your goodness for the goodness of God. 